0: Hi guys, I'm Coach Desi and this is Post Stop to Won't Stop. I'm a physician assistant who fell in love with bariatrics while working with a surgeon here in Florida. Finding ways to help my patients in their journey has always been my priority. I'm now a personal trainer who works with clients to help them reach their goals and stay on track after their surgery. Post Stop to Won't Stop was developed to allow patients a platform to share their stories and to help educate people on the process of weight loss through surgery. Let's listen to real people share their wins and losses, and learn what really happens in the journey after surgery. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Post-Op to Won't Stop, and I have a wonderful guest today, um, a client who has turned friend. I absolutely adore this soul. Her name is Krista. Welcome, Krista. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Of course. I couldn't wait to have you as a guest. So I just want the audience to kind of hear a little bit about your story. So just share with us um, your journey so far.
1: I I will do that. Um, So when it comes to specifically weight loss surgery, um, when I turned 40, uh, I decided that, you know, um, I think when you talk about a journey, I think a journey is not, you know, a lot of people I hear talking about their weight loss journey, they kind of start right at the weight loss surgery part of it. And I think, you know, there's so much uh, that happens before the actual weight loss surgery that I think that, you know, brought us to the point of weight loss surgery. And that's kind of, you know, where I would like to start, you know, talking about my journey here today. Um, So I grew up uh, in a third world country. I grew up in South Africa. And during the time that I grew up, there was a lot of unrest. Uh, it was during the apartheid era in South Africa. So there was a lot of, you know, a lot of uncertainty. We used to have bomb drills in school. And I, I grew up with a, a lot of fear around me. And, uh, you know, um, and I think that's really where a lot of my, I would say, like, a, a lot of the eating disorder kind of things started is, you know, during that time and just, you know, that, that, that fear and stuff. The funny thing is, is growing up is we we ate a lot of really healthy, good food right out of the earth. So we didn't have a lot of processed. We I don't know, like for us, desserts was uh, you know fruit that was a dessert, and the fruit was picked off of the tree, you know, on the farm. So it was not like you know we didn't use a lot, have a lot of processed food. Um, I think you and I talked about it not, not so long ago, you know, that there's uh, more than 70% of, you know, patients or people that have, have had um, weight um, issues. um, That there is a lot of abuse in their lives, um, whether it's physical abuse, uh, you know, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. And, you know, so I, uh, you know, I was one of those who had that in my life. And that's really where I think a lot of you know the issues started. Um, anyway, fast forward, I moved to the United States in uh, nineteen ninety five, and uh, after I moved to the United States, is really when I started picking up a whole lot of weight. Uh, it was long hours of work. Uh, I had, you know, a part of the part of what I was dealing with is I really wanted to be seen by people. I really want to be noticed. Uh, I really wanted to, you know, there's a, a, a lot of um, a low self image. And uh, so I work a whole lot of hours uh, late to not a lot of sleep. I work in a um, uh, yeah, so just not a lot of sleep. So uh, I really didn't look after myself, period. Um, after I met my husband, we got married. I was about 30 when we got married, and you know, uh, at that point in time, I think I was weighing maybe like 260, I was not at my highest weight yet, Uh, got pregnant about three years after we got married, and um, had a beautiful son, and right around, I want to say when I turned 40, that was it, when I turned 40 was really a a big turning point for me. I was very unhappy Uh, internally, you know, I was the mother, I I started my career. I was very successful in my career, even though I didn't have the same opportunities uh, that a a lot of um, US citizens are afforded. I I wasn't able to go to school, but I kind of taught myself, um, you know, and I really, uh, I really got very successful in, in my career. But I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with who I was. Um, There was a lot of issues between my husband and I. Not necessarily, you know, his fault because I was so insecure. Um, I was so afraid of abandonment, rejection. I mean, there was a whole slew of things that we dealt with. And a lot of it really had to do with my own internal struggles that I had. So at 40, I decided this is it. I don't want to go. It was a turning point for me. I didn't want to go the second part of my life. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, continue struggling with the same things. And part of that was my weight, um, that also contributed to my insecurity. Um, so I went started seeing a uh, mental health counselor, and then right after that, I went to get the lap lap band in twenty eleven. That's when I had it done. Um, there was some success with a lab band uh, immediately following the lab end, but unfortunately um, I had a lot of complications so um, it wasn't as successful as I uh, wish it would have been you know kind of one and done kind of thing but I decided on the lab end because I didn't really want it to alter uh, you know any of my anatomy on the inside um, in 2018 we removed the lab end and then in 2019 is when I got uh, the bypass and that has been very successful for me and I kind of wish I did that the first time around but hey, we live and learn so I'm still very grateful, um, you know, that I'm here today.
0: Wow, that is a story there's a lot that I want to ask. This is great. This is you're one of the first um, guests that I've had that has come from another part of the another part of the world. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of want to dig into that because I know most of us know here in the U.S. that youth are, you know, brought up around a lot of processed food. Um, There's food deserts and food insecurities that run rampant in certain areas of the country. And of course, with you being from South Africa, it's interesting to note that, you know, you grew up with lots of fresh stuff all around you. I think we've talked, I don't know that you mentioned it right now, but you've talked about, you know, just running out and grabbing whatever you wanted out of the out of the garden, um, which is tremendous. So did you have any concerns of your weight or anything when you were younger at that time?
1: Uh, not really. I was always, you know, I was never skinny, skinny. I was always, you know, um, well built, uh, but not really, because I mean, again, we, transportation was not, we walked everywhere, um, even on the farm, I mean, children were out playing, we weren't inside of the house, we were always playing, and we walked to school, and if we didn't walk to school, you know, we didn't have a transportation system like here, with this buses and stuff, um, so we walk a couple of miles to school every day. And then, even uh, you know, in my elementary school and high school, I've always been very active as far as uh, uh, you know, sports. I have played every kind of sports that you can think of, and um, so no, weight was never really, a, a, never really a thought.
0: Is that a is that a um, a health condition that's of concern in that part of the world, or do most people tend to? because of the lifestyle there, because there's not much transportation and there's access to you know gardens and markets and things like that, is there much of a weight problem there?
1: Uh, I would say now is more, not growing up, no. Um, <laughs> I don't remember anybody that was morbidly obese in any of my family or, in. I mean, I, the men in my family was like linebackers, so they were all very, you know, must big, be but it was, yeah. I don't remember anybody um, that was morbidly obese in, in any of, you know, uh, of the people that I've known.
0: Got
1: it. I- now it's a different story, though, because a lot of the Western uh, world has, you know, influenced a lot of the foods. And now, I mean, you do. As a matter of fact, the, uh, interesting fact, I was 13, maybe 14, the first, first time I ate at a restaurant. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the first time I ate fast food was at, at 14 and it wasn't really even fast, food. it was a hamburger. Um, haven't eaten that before age 14.
0: Wow. Was there a lot of, um, you know, here we've got so much attention, like even growing up, uh, magazines and TV and commercials pushing diet culture and things like that. Was that absent?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think, n- not that I can recall, not that I can, it wasn't very big. I do remember as a young adult, 18, 19 year old is when I started hearing about diet pills and that kind of stuff. And my mom was always very, um, you know, uh, she always cared a lot about how she looks and, and, and about her weight, but um, no. No, to answer your question, no, I, I don't recall really yeah. a lot of that.
0: That's fascinating. Um, on the other side of that, you did mention fear and abuse, and so did you. Now that you're you know older in age, do you do you see a connection between those trauma, that traumatic experience so young, and your and you had mentioned disordered food eating or disordered eating. Is there a relationship? Have you identified a cause and effect there?
1: I I do think so. I think that, you know, that there is definitely a comfort in food. Um, You know, it's, and again, it comes back to sugary food. Now, interestingly enough, me being younger, I don't necessarily make that connection. I think because a lot of it as I did a lot of activity when I was younger, so. That was probably more of an outlet for me, you know, the physical activity rather than, you know, running to food. Um, I do remember as kids, we were told that you have to finish what's on your plate kind of thing. Um, But I don't really see a connection as a child with that because I felt like I had an outlet. Once I came to the United States and I no longer had that outlet, I can definitely see that there's a correlation with, you know, that emotional eating um, trying to numb the senses uh, with food because, I mean, growing up in the six, 70s and eighties, there was always that big war on drugs. So you knew that drugs is not not something you're gonna go towards, and it's never something I really, you know, interests me at all. Um, so yeah, I think that food was definitely that comfort, and I think, um, I think another thing too is, you know it's it's also a type of preservation. You know, it's like you're bigger, so nobody's gonna be interested in you kind of thing. So you're not uh, it, it it's kind of like you're trying to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely see that correlation.
0: Yeah, I've heard that before from many, many patients and clients that have had similar experiences. So um okay so you move to the US and then you gain weight. So I I have worked in a population at a, at a clinic before where we had a lot of folks that came over, um, and would immediately come to the, the clinic I was working at and, uh, complaining of high blood pressure readings, stomach upset, headaches. They just kind of were like, I don't know. I just got here. It was always within like the first two or three weeks they would notice these changes. Um, now you had just mentioned in, in the comment before that you know you came to the U.S. and you didn't have that access to the activities that you were doing in, in, in South Africa that allowed you that outlet. But do you think there's something to the quality of food that we have here versus somewhere else?
1: A hundred percent. And I think, unfortunately, there's so much working against us that it's not just the quality of food. Um, as you know, I'm in marketing. And I think one thing is 100% is the quality of food and what's in our food. Uh, You know, all the preservatives, all the, uh, it's not very nutritional. There's, uh, you know, very low nutritional value in the foods that we have and the hormones that they put in the food. And I think the other thing too is we fight so much against media. What you see and what we advertise is you are not, you're not a cool person if you don't eat this or you don't smoke this or you don't drink this. You know, you're not, you know, there there's so much that, that works against us, and then of course you have, you know, uh, the lobbyists and everybody that lobby for our food, and yeah, there's definitely I um I definitely saw a difference, uh, you know, coming to the U. S. In, in in the quality of food. Yeah, I kind of I kinda- even the taste. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, it off, but even like. Going to going to the store and even going to a health food store, I still find myself pick up a fruit and smell the fruit because to me, if that doesn't smell like a peach, that's it's too processed. I, I don't want to eat it. I I don't buy it because it needs to smell the way it's supposed to smell. Otherwise, it's not. You know, to me, it's just, it's, it just doesn't have that nutrition.
0: Correct. Oh my gosh, you're speaking my love language now. This is exactly (laughs) what I shared. I shared that with patients at the time. I was like, you know, I think it's the food here, you know, the processed food that we have here is very different. And I went to, you know, I've been overseas and it's amazing the things that I can get away with eating in Italy or Germany or someplace else where they don't have the same um, processed ingredients in their foods. Everything's so fresh that uh, I actually felt better eating foods that I normally wouldn't eat here um, than vice versa. And there is something to that, you know, they pick the the, um, produce so early that the produce has a chance to collect the nutrients from the, you know, it goes from the roots all the way up to the branches into the fruit or the vine into the fruit. Uh, But if you pick it too early, it's not able to fully get those, that yumminess or the smell or the good peach smell that you're talking about. I know exactly. What right, about. right.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah. that's why we now, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, the, the servings for fruit and vegetables, uh, was two to four a day was the goal. Now it's seven to 13. It's insane. And it's because we can't get the same nutrient quality, um, from our produce
1: as we did back then because of the, Processing. But even what even what you just said, right? So we went from two to three a day, now you need to eat ten or thirteen to get the same level of nutrition. But not just do you do that, but you increase your intake, which means that we are conditioning ourselves to eat more, you know, to get the same nutrition, but you eat more. So, you know, our our brain are now saying, Hey, you need to eat ten of those, but think about the volume right? Versus before you only have to eat two or three to get the same nutrition that your body actually needs. So it's, you know, again, we're working against ourselves here. It's not helping, you know, um, and it it doesn't help us in the long run. And as, you know, somebody who already struggled with weight, you know, when you put that plate of food in front of us, our body is now we're not conditioned to, hey, you need to eat volume in order to get that nutrition. Yeah. So when we have food in front of us that's not necessarily nutritional or doesn't have a, a good nutritional value, um, you know, then you're going to eat a lot of that because your brain is telling you you need a lot in order for you to to get that nutrition.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in terms of your surgery, so I you had lap band in 2011, you said. And then it was Mm -hmm. removed from complications in 2018. And I know there's a lot of folks out there because LAP band is making a resurgence. There is a big marketing push and this is coming back um, in in popularity. So um, I know tons of people have had success with LAP band and I know folks that- did not have success with lap band and did have complications. Walk us through the complications that you have, because I I I always like to give our listeners an opportunity to learn all things, right? So they can make a good decision for themselves. But walk me through what those complications were and what that was like.
1: Absolutely. Um, so for me, the the biggest complication is um, I I could eat a little bit, so there was there was good restriction which is kind of what the lab band is designed to do is to give you that restriction. But what would happen is, is the food, like the um, uh, chicken or meat, you know, so where you get your protein sources, it will get stuck. And then once it gets stuck, of course, you know, there was a lot of vomiting involved. And it's not like, oh, I'm sick. It's very violent. To the point where I remember one time I had a friend visiting and she had a three-year-old here and I, you know, I ate something and it got stuck and I went to the bathroom, which is on the other side of the house. When I came back, she was crying because she thought I was uh, hurting so bad. And and it's just because it's it's really hard to get that food to get unstuck. Um, And then if it doesn't get unstuck, you feel like you can't breathe. I mean, it's like, then you start panicking. Um, so that was what a lot was for me. So the result was I, I started not eating the foods that really would help me with the weight loss. And I started eating around it because your you know, some foods was easier to go down and that's what they will call the slider foods. And normally those are not the foods, you know, that's really going to help you with your uh, weight loss journey. Uh, Um, so that was the major thing for me was just, um, I couldn't really eat a lot of food and then we would, you know, I would go to the doctor, he he will take some fluid out, put some fluid in, um, and at some point in time, it was so bad. We took the fluid out altogether. And, um, even with that, even with taking all the fluid out, I was still having issues.
0: Mm.
1: So that was, that was a major thing for me, um, it yeah. was just, you know, the vomiting of it.
0: Yeah, that sounds awful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't
0: pleasant. But, but so let me ask you this, because I, I obviously know your story. My listeners don't yet, but I'll ask this question now. Sure. You had the lap band. What kind of additional resources did you have besides your band that you were utilizing at the time?
1: See, that that to me, and this is why I truly love what you're doing in the bariatric community is because it, it not just the lab and even now with with the bypass, I see that there is a lot of support when it gets to the the first year, and after the first year, um, the support is just not there. So with the lab and only if I felt I needed an adjustment would I go to the doctor? And this was after I had the lab band for seven years. So there wasn't really follow-up. And I was self-pay as well. So even with that, it's it was harder because, you know, I mean every time you go you have to pay for the doctor, you have to pay to get the fluid in, get the fluid out. And if they had to use the um, you know, do it by I can't remember the word for it, but if I had to Fluoroscopy. Yeah. that's it thank you uh then it was even you know uh, extra so i didn't go as often and that's the thing is i didn't go as often as i should have gone um but from a support there wasn't really a lot of support and again like i said even with the, with with the um i recently so i'm three years out of um the bypass and i recently you know uh, my physician never asked to do any of my labs as far as my vitamin intake so that was just not part of the plan so i was nearly three years out and, wait a minute wait, um, wait, wait, wait
0: time out time out you mean after your bypass your surgeon never checked for your vitamin
1: deficiencies no no Okay, carry
0: on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he never did.
1: And so so after I, you know, uh, um, so let me backtrack here a little bit so I can just kind of give the listeners idea of um, how you and I got connected. And then I can go a little bit further because a lot of this will be answered in that. Um, so I was out, uh, it was last year, November. Uh, I knew, you know, I lost, 80 pounds or so and I knew that I needed to do more than what I uh, currently was doing so I was looking for a, a bariatric trainer it was somebody because I have looked for a trainer around my area and I went uh, into several places and of course you go to some of these big gyms and they want to give you uh, you know the the diet they put you on and you know explain to them listen I'm a bariatric patient and You know, I won't be able to have what you're telling me to eat. And uh, one of the young men was telling me, well, you know, I do this for a living and your physician doesn't know what they're talking about. You need to do this in order to get where you need to be. And I'm like, thank you for your time, but I'm out of (laughs) here. So, and then I started doing a search online and that's kind of how I I got connected with you. So uh, after we started you know, as you know, uh, we, we started doing some workouts, uh, I think we had a conversation at some point in time. And, and I think you asked me uh, about the vitamins or something like that, but something like that. And that's when I decided to go back to the doctor, because I didn't even know what I needed to look for. And of course, on Facebook and all the other, you know, uh, groups that I belong to, I com- continuously saw people you know, ask me for the vitamin levels and stuff. So when I actually made an appointment, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a phone call with him. he asked me, uh, so you're three years out. Why are you calling me kind of thing? And then that's when I asked him, like, hey, I actually need a list of the vitamins because uh, I think we are going to run some panels and I didn't even know what vitamins. So, yeah. Wow.
0: Yes. And so I think it was, you were describing some symptoms to me and, and I, I always like to have patients reconnect with their surgeons for that. And, and you know, I just sure. kind of, you know, common courtesy in the medical profession, you know, go back to your surgeon, follow up, yada, yada. You followed up. And I think he's, I think that surgeon said that he wasn't going to do the vitamin. Yeah. I think he wasn't. Yeah.
1: He took, killed- That is correct. He told me that I need to go to my primary doctor to do um, panels, but these are the panels that we need to order. Yes. Because obviously a primary primary physician, this is not his specialty. So uh, when I did talk to my primary physician about it, he goes, well, you need to give me a list of what we need to look at here for. So that's, uh, yeah, that's where that landed.
0: (laughs) You were catch 22. So so I went ahead and I did the labs for you. (laughs)
1: Correct. Like, okay.
0: thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, uh, I tried guys I tried to to let her you know her her team her medical management team do it but at the end of the day um I like to do what what I think is best for the patient so I adopted you I'm glad I did um and we we went another route with you so um you had started to describe some things um I know that you had dumping syndrome. I know that there was some um, some symptoms that you were describing to me, and so I brought up another option. But I want I want the listeners to hear it from from your side. What what was it that you were kind of going through? Do you remember that? Yeah, I,
1: I yeah, I, I I will never forget it. So yes, yeah, so some of the symptoms. Is I think what was hardest for me was um, so so my job is very demanding. And I really have to be mentally, I have to be on task all the time. And one of the things I started noticing, especially when I was in executive meetings, is that I couldn't formulate words. Now, English is my second language. I get that. But I speak English for the last, you know, 25 years. So in essence, at this point in time, it's probably, you know, first language. Um, However, I couldn't, I couldn't recall words and I just really had a hard time sounding intelligent when I had a conversation with, you know, clients or executives or, or something like that. And it really started bothering me a lot. Um, and then uh, then the dumping syndrome was, was a big one as well. Uh, and it was like sometimes I can eat something and I will be fine. And sometimes I will eat the very same thing and I won't be fine. Um, and it really became an issue because you could, I I, I had to stick close, close to home most of the time. So it really uh, affected my quality of life. Um, headaches, I didn't sleep well. I mean, there was just a slew of symptoms that really was affecting me. Um, and here's the thing, a lot of it, I contributed to, oh, you know, we did reroute my entire inside, so you know, this is probably just a side effect of the surgery itself. And that's really what I contributed most of it to, um, which I was very happy about, you know, losing the weight, feeling better on that aspect. But a lot of the mental and the physical, uh, you know, things that I was experiencing was really not helping me at all. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. and that, that's kind of what I was experiencing at that time.
0: Yeah, and I believe there was some weight stall. You could kind, of, you had kind of yes,
1: mm-hmm. that's correct. So I had in my head, I had another twenty pounds that I needed to get down before I was, you know, reaching my goal. Because again, you know, we're all looking at the scale, and that's what I had set out in the beginning, and that was also the goal the physician gave me. Uh, yeah, my bariatric doctor, he gave me a, a, a go- that goal. And so I never felt like I was a success until I reached that goal. So that was one of the reasons why I did reach out to you initially for the training. But then while we had the conversation uh, about doing the elimination diet.
0: Yeah. So before we start talking about that, I just want to push pause on the conversation for a second. And you've heard me say this. Nothing lights my fire like someone telling someone else what they should weigh. And that's for any medical professional. I don't, there's nothing in training that tells me, oh, this person should weigh this amount. And I don't know where someone decides that it's okay to say, I expect you to weigh this much. That is so, so I don't even, I don't even want to put a word to it because it's not a very friendly word. But um, so for those of you out there, try to get away from that numbers. Um, one of the questions I ask my clients and my patients is, um, what are your goals? And almost 100% of the time, inevitably, they'll say, I want to lose 50 pounds. I want to be 150 pounds. I want to be 140 pounds. I want to be, they always give me a number. And so I challenge them and I stop and I say, okay, um, what happens at that number? And they look at me and it's a really almost weird moment. (laughs) What do you mean? What happens at the number? I said, well, what happens? Do like fireworks go off? Does confetti drain down from the ceiling? Like what, what happens at that number? And they're like, well, I make the number. I'm like, okay, so let me ask you this. If your goal is 140 pounds, what if I can get you to 155 pounds, but you're no longer short of breath. You no longer have joint pain. You no longer have, you know, the symptoms and you have this life that you?" Are kind of looking forward to. Are you going to be happy at 155, even though you didn't get to 140? And almost inevitably, the answer is yes. Um, and so that's where I challenge people to say, happiness doesn't come in a number. Um, try to get away from those numbers and try to think about what do I want. What is making me uncomfortable? What is what is what is it that I can't do now, maybe even comfortably, that I that I want to do more comfortably or without symptoms or get to that point and and we need to stop caging ourselves in with a number because you're going to hit that number and you're going to be like woohoo and then that number is never going to come up again because we we yeah. all fluctuate five pounds in any given day five pounds so it's not like you're going to hit that 140 and be 140 forever and ever no human on the planet is going to do that So I I just wanna push pause and really have that conversation with all my beautiful listeners out there that um, we're more than a number guys and your goals are greater than that number. Um, And so just make sure you stay focused on that. So back to this. So when Krista was sharing with me this information about all of these symptoms and stuff, um, again, I can't keep my mouth shut when I'm working with people. So I said, you know, there's a program that we have called the Elimination Protocol. And I try to avoid calling it a diet because this is not a diet to be lived on forever. I actually don't believe in diets. Um, and elimination, I also like to call it an experiment, is a way of figuring out which foods cause which symptoms in the body. There's a whole thing, and there's a, if you guys are interested in a lecture that I do on, on uh, gut health and obesity, please let me know. I'm happy to send you the link to that video. But um, there's a whole thing called gut microbiome and it's strongly linked to um, 90% of all medical conditions out there. And, and obesity is one of them. And so if we can focus on correcting gut health um, and improving gut health, then we can essentially help manage symptoms and improve um, improve health. So I share this with Kristen. What the elimination is, is taking you off the high allergen foods for several weeks Seeing how you feel, and then one at a time reintroducing them back into the diet to see what reaction happens. Um, I know some of you out there are like, "Ooh, I'm going to Google that and I'm going to do it." Please be advised, you do not want to do this without the help and assistance of a dietitian or medical provider who knows about what you know. know who knows about the elimination? Um, there's really a lot more to it than that, and it's not so just go go do it on your own. It's a tough it's tough to do, and you do need support and knowledge to help you get through it, uh, to make sure that you're not eating in such a deficit that's causing um, malnutrition or or nutrient deficiency. So anyway, so fast forward, we have a conversation. I talked to you about this. You decide that you wanna go through with with this protocol. And so share with us the experience that you had there.
1: Well, It was really, so anybody who's been through bariatric surgery before, you know, uh, a lot of times when you talk about something like this, the first thing, you know, that goes back in our heads, is like, oh, that two weeks pre-op diet that you have to only have liquids, and then the liquid diet afterwards, and then the mushy diet. This was probably one of the easier things that I've done in my weight loss journey, honestly, because you get to eat food, you get to eat whole foods. And you get to eat foods that typically is not on your program. And what's really interesting with that, there was, for me, there was more of a mind struggle with that than anything else because there's carbs. I had I got to eat carbs, you know, in most programs, is carbs is just like it's the devil. Uh, but in this case, you know, I got to eat really good carbs and I got to eat good food and I got to see the weight loss and I think even, you know, I think I, I mentioned this to you at one point of time It's you don't know really how bad you feel until you feel good. Mm-hmm. When you start feeling good and your body is starting to do what it's supposed to do and you're starting to, your mind is clearing and I had so much energy. I felt like the energizer bunny. Like I was going day and night and I, I guess the best marketing ideas came out during that time and it was just, I I, and I can't say anything else, but I felt good. I, one of the other things that I was not allowed to eat was fruits because I was afraid of the sugar and I was afraid of dumping. And in this protocol, there's a lot of fruits involved and it was so good to have my desserts again because it's my fruit, it's my dessert, right? And I was able to eat fruits again and was able to eat, you know, a a lot of things that I couldn't eat before. Um, That to me was liberating. Um, And I'm not going to say it was the easiest thing because it's definitely not easy. It's like anything else, you know, uh, you have to eliminate certain things. Um, But I didn't feel deprived at all. And I think for me, the biggest thing that came out of this is, is, is a couple of things. Number one is, Just it changed my entire mindset about food and nutrition uh, because I got to really, really learn a lot about how food affects our moods, how food affects how we feel, how it affects um, how we operate Uh, mentally. I never, even though, which is really funny because, you know, we earlier talked about how we use food to comfort. I never knew that we could you know use food really to to help our mental state uh in a positive way not in a negative way and and it definitely has because again like i said i could actually speak english again and not sound like a blabbering idiot when i talk to people because i couldn't formulate a sentence uh you know without struggling for the words um and, and you know so that was definitely a, a big positive for me with the uh, with this protocol um, some of the other things uh, the energy level um, I really enjoy working out and I, I had so much energy to really do so it helped me in that um, aspect as well in my weight loss journey because with with having the surgery, you know, sometimes you, I I didn't have the energy, I felt tired. And, you know, some of that was definitely uh, our body needs carbs, we need carbs for energy. And I was not consuming carbs. So you know, I didn't have a lot of energy. So he taught me how to eat the correct way and feed my body correctly. And it has put me on a whole different journey. To where I am trying to educate myself on the right foods to eat. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. And you know, it's it's interesting because I, I sit on this side of the fence. And so I forget some of the things. Um I I I you're right. There's there's a lot of patients I interact with that are like, wait, you it's okay to eat a banana? It's like banana's not the devil. Right. Oh, banana's great. Um and I have, you know, I, I do encounter people, especially bypass patients or duodenal switch patients that are just really apprehensive about including some of the stuff. Now, I, I will say that the carbs that we we prefer are the um, complex carbs and, and fiber rich carbs. So this is mm-hmm. um, not uh, simple sugars carbs um, and and, you know, that's that's part of what you learned in this program is, is feeling you can have carbs and, and feel full with them too, because they, they're they right. fiber rich and your body needs that. And the healthy gut bacteria needs that too. Um, and it's always interesting. I love it. Every person that I put through the program, I just know is going to feel better. And when they do, it's just like, it, it's the whole reward I, I I'm looking for. It's like, God, I made a difference in someone's life. So I, I loved all this for you. And guys, Krista is a legit athlete. Like she is such a legit athlete that when she did the elimination, the workouts I gave her were similar to the workouts that I personally do. And she was killing it. She was doing her thing. And I was like, go ahead, Krista. So um, when she <laughs> had the energy, trust me, we, we, we capitalized on that energy. And so now um,
1: you also no longer have dumping, correct? Uh, no, not unless, uh, I mean, obviously on the program, no, uh, if I stick to, to the good foods and the right, and and I forgot to mention this. And I think, you know, a lot of uh, bariatric patients will really love this, but, um, I was still, even being a bariatric patient, I was still addicted to sugar. Now I didn't eat uh, refined sugar because, you know, I'm taught to stay away from refined sugar, but I had a lot of the, um, uh, what do you call that? The, the fake sugars. Mm. I still had a lot of that. Uh, and because you have, your body can really distinct what is, you know, the the fake sugar and what is the refined sugars. So I continually crave sugar. But after I did the elimination protocol, to this day, sugar is no longer a problem for me at all. I don't crave it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Uh, and I think that to me was, the biggest reward that I got out of all of this because I used to love sugar even before the weight loss surgery. It's like, I love sugar. And, uh, yeah, that, that was really, really big for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, good things are in the future. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, again, I was, uh, I'm my body, and, and this is why I'm glad that you were talking about, you know, uh, you don't have to be the number that the doctor telling you to be, because my body decided at a certain point that this is my set point. Uh, I've kept this uh, particular weight uh, for uh, nearly two years now. And uh, I finally decided that I was at a place to go and seek, uh, you know, to remove all the extra skin. So, yeah, that is coming up uh very shortly and uh, yes i'm super excited about that you
0: know that's fantastic very, very excited we had a conversation and um
1: i hope it's okay to,
0: to mention this if it's not all edited sure. but um you know we had a conversation and we talked about really what what the dissatisfaction was you know outside looking in i mean you're just a beautiful human i mean you could be a triangle, you know, with you know, googly eyes <laughs> and a wart, and would still be the most beautiful person. I, I one of the most beautiful people I know. Um but you know we 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 had an honest conversation. and you know you were very honest back about what it was that you were dissatisfied with. And you know it was very um uh, I was able to, you know give you that information of you've worked your tail off this you know part of what you're you're looking at is evidence of weight loss so what i share with clients is you know you lose almost 100 pounds or 100 pounds plus there's evidence you know you're going to have skin that's going to be left over you can't work that off after bariatric surgery i have yet to see a person that doesn't have that somewhere on their body and so people get in their head thinking that that's air quote fat when it's skin and then you, you know, right. you, you, we had this conversation. And so it was kind of like it's completely your call because I always honor and respect whatever a person wants. But um if that's if that's your roadblock and it's something that can be um um if, if it's something that's in your heart to do, because it's you know, it doesn't affect everybody the same way. And and I'm right. to do this, and please don't get me wrong, listeners, I didn't tell her to do this. It was just bringing it up in conversation as an option um, to consider the plastics um, consultation. Um, and that's kind of how we got to this point. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and I just want to mention this, too. Even if you don't consider, uh, you know, plastics. For me, the biggest thing was just like you said, you, you know, uh, and I think a lot of us deal with that. We've lost. I read something the other day on a post. Um, this gentleman uh, went through bariatric surgery and he posted that, you know, I know the guy that for 25 years were obese. I know that guy. But the guy that I don't know is this guy who just lost all his weight. I don't know him. I need to learn who he is. And, and it's so true because you can you can look at yourself in the mirror in this time where you, where you can see where you are today. But I can say for the most part, you look in the mirror and all you still see is all I still saw was that 108, 208 uh, pounds woman, right? I couldn't see where I, I couldn't see everything that I have accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, m- my mom just recently came from South Africa to visit. And when she saw me at the airport, she couldn't stop staring at me. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I've seen you because, I mean, we communicate on, you know, on, um, by phone all the time and we see each other. She goes, but I didn't know that you were that small, my face particularly, you know, and, and I could never see it, but people from the outside could see it. And you said one time, uh, you and I had a conversation <laughs> and, and I won't forget this in I can't even remember what the context of the conversation was, but you said, well, this, you said this, I I can't remember what the the context was, but um, you put me in the same category as you. And I was like, what? Because I couldn't see that. You could see that and to you is, you know, but, but I couldn't see that. So, um, I think that that's a roadblock for many people. And I would encourage you, even if you, uh, because, you know, there is a, it's, a, it's a big investment. Obviously, some insurances will pay for it. Mine doesn't. Um, so this is a, it's a big expense. Uh, but even if you go for the consultation, just for that surgeon to tell you, this is just loose skin. Because a lot of times we see the fat and we don't see that, What this is is just really the skin uh, that helped in itself. That definitely helped in itself. It it is a roadblock. It's it's a mental roadblock for sure.
0: Yeah, and I'll add on that. Also, the conversation with us happened with me knowing that you were already in mental health counseling because I I, there is a true disorder called uh, body dysmorphia, and that is where, like you said, you only see the person that you were, at the weight that you were. And um, some of that can be overcome, um, but counseling, I would always, I mean, this, listen, if you ask me, counseling and and nutrition needs to be a standard part of follow-up, period. And if your program and your, um, or your surgeon is not recommending that, if you're not connected in and getting that on a regular basis, y'all, one appointment is not gonna do it all right it's, not, it's just not realistic so the best advice i can give you is connect in with a mental health provider connect in with a dietitian make it a plan and part of your budget somehow to see them on a regular basis because if you don't do that work first and then you have this surgery there is a whole cascade of possible complications and problems that can arise so please know that when Kristen and I have these conversations, it's because I know that she's fully supported, that she's got mental health, that she's seeing dietitians, that she's plugged in. And so that way, you know, you never know, just like after you have bariatric surgery, there's things that come up that just throw you off that you didn't even expect. And the same may be true after, weight, after uh, plastic surgery. So you want to make sure that you have support and that you have the resources
1: that you need to be successful after that surgery. So I would also I would also add to this that uh, you know I believe that it should be ongoing uh, because I've gotten with the counselor at points it's like okay I really have nothing to discuss with you anymore but you know you know life happens and life changes and we get older and there's different changes happening and even different changes in our body Um, and as we go through this journey things you know that. Maybe has gotten us to the place why why we uh, you know were obese at some point in time you know you have to continually to in in my opinion you have to continually dealing with us I I try it's like car maintenance right I can't expect my car to run smoothly just you know hey I, I got got it maintained went took it for maintenance once and now it's just going to run smoothly I believe our mental state is like that as well you know. um, I try to go at least a couple of times a year just to maintain, you know, even if I have nothing to say, you know, you always have to have that safe space to really speak anything that's going on inside. Even if it's just like, I'm stressed over work, you know, helping to give you that, you know, um, help you to manage that Yeah. so you don't turn back to food, so you don't turn back to your old habits. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, Krista, it's been great chatting with you. I want to ask one more question. What? Uh, just because you know, I have to. These are fun questions. I like to ask. So, what's your, <laughs> when we work out when it's time to like hit the pavement or hit the weights? What, what's your go-to? What's on your What's on your list? Your song list. Your play. Your playlist.
1: I am an '80s girl. Anything '80s. I love '80s. Yep, I'm an '80s girl.
0: Everybody. All right. 80s, it is what now that you've been through um, uh, all, you know, you've been through all of this. What's your what's your favorite? What's your enjoyment now? Where where do you how do you cope with stress now?
1: Oh, boy, uh, I love being creative. As you know, I like to build things. I like to paint uh, uh, anything creative. Uh, that definitely is my go to point. Um I also like to, you know, I like to not just do stuff for me. I, I really like to do stuff for people. You know, that to me is, there's uh, nothing better than to give uh, than to receive. Honestly, I, I love to give. I like to make other people happy. That's
0: so true. Y'all, she's, that is exactly. <laughs> all shes right. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for your story. Congratulations on all of your hard work. Best wishes for everything that's moving forward in your life. And please come back and chat with us after after your next big step here with plastic surgery.
1: Will do, thank you for the opportunity. I really um, enjoy sharing. Thank you so much, have a good one. You too, bye-bye.
0: Thank you all for listening. I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I wanna hear from you guys. Let me know what you thought of this episode and any ideas you'd like to hear more about. Keep in touch through social via Facebook or Instagram at Coach Desi and subscribe to my newsletter at CoachDesi.com. Remember, your journey is still being written.